Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Um, uh, as Jamie said, I'm the executive pastor here, and I believe the Lord's got a good word for us this morning, so I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, as Jamie mentioned, we're in this series entitled Live It Out in Love. And so the Lord has given us as a church this word for this year, 2019, of starting with Jesus, praying it in, and living it out in love. And uh, I'm excited to continue that this morning. But before I do, I just want to introduce you to my family. Uh, I got a picture here of my wife and my beautiful son, Mason Sharsberg, eight months. Uh, and he is, he is just a champ. And uh, uh, unfortunately, he is sick this morning, so they're not here today, but um, love him, and I'm going to talk about him a little bit later, uh, but also am excited. I just graduated with my Master's of Divinity uh, from Crown College, and so, yeah, I've been working hard on that, and so I'm excited to give my full effort and energy here at the church and just uh, continue to lead here, and so uh, thankful to be wrapping that up and just praying that it's a blessing to the body here, so uh, if you'd open up with me your Bibles to Luke chapter 15 uh, as we begin this morning, uh, and we'll be starting in verse 11. Uh, it's a story you've probably heard once or twice, and it's the story of the two lost sons. And before I read the passage, I just want to set the context here. This is actually the third story in Luke chapter 15. The first two stories are uh, the story of the, the shepherd pursuing, the, leaving the 99 and going after the lost sheep, and the woman looking for her lost coin. And Jesus is telling these stories uh, to the Pharisees uh, and in response to them being upset about him hanging out with sinners and eating with them, kind of in line with what Todd was sharing even during communion this morning. And so that's kind of the context uh, as we jump in here to the scriptures. Read with me, starting in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. 
So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This morning, uh, my message is entitled, Join the Party. And what we see in this passage is a party is going on. And as I think about my favorite party that I've ever been a part of, it would have to be my wedding day. And I mean, you want to talk about all my favorite people in one place at one time with good food and a sweet DJ. And man, we had an awesome time. Ask me about the party bus later if you want to hear the real story, okay? Uh, And so here's the deal. By and large, I would say that Christians are terrible partiers. Just throwing it out there, okay? And I'm not talking about the parties that the world likes to throw. I'm not talking about getting slammed or living a crazy lifestyle and making poor decisions. I'm talking about good parties where there's joy, where there's a sense of freedom, where there's a sense of good community, where there's friendship, where there's being known and knowing others, right? Those are the kind of parties that I'm talking about and hopefully including some dancing. Uh, Can I get an amen? Uh, So I don't know. I mean, you just can't, if you start dancing, you just can't help but smile a little bit, right? You just can't help. I don't know why, but it's just, it's just in us, right? And so, man, partying is in the heart of God. It's at the core heart of who he is, except the world has taken this idea and has twisted it. This good gift that God has given to us, and he's twisted it uh, into something that it was never meant to be. And so, As a result, because as believers, we see the world taking something good, we say, oh no, we can no longer associate with that because the world's taken that and twisted it. In actuality, it belonged to God in the first place. And so I believe that as believers, we're called to redeem what God has given us. I think that's our calling in life. If you look at who we are and what God tells us in the scriptures, we are to be a people that are bringing redemption everywhere that we go. You see, there's few parables uh, that, that show us uh, that, that, that Jesus is talking directly about the Father's love, and this is one of them. Uh, and so the problem here isn't that they were partying. The, 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 the problem was that they were trying to find the party in the wrong place. You see, the younger brother thought he had to leave his father's house to go find the party. Uh, and so he ended up with a party uh, where the guests smelled terrible and the food was horrendous. Ended up in a pig pen, right? Okay. Uh, and the older brother, he threw a pity party. And, he, and you know what? Here's the thing about a pity party. Uh, the devil always shows up. He does. I don't know how, but he always finds a way to clear his schedule to be at that pity party. I've thrown a few in my day. I'm not, I'm not exempt there. So here's the main thing this morning. To receive the Father's love, to live, live it out in love, you got to receive the Father's love and join the party, okay? To live it out in love, you've got to receive the Father's love to join the party. Well, I'm going to ask you this morning, where do you want to find the Father's joy? And where are you needing His joy released in your life? 
The first way that we join the party is by finding our satisfaction in the father's love. You see, the younger brother was dissatisfied with what the father had to offer him. So he began to listen to the voices in his head telling him that he should find it somewhere else. He began to believe this lie that there was more out there for him than there was here. He began to believe this lie from the enemy saying, hey, do you really want to live? Do you really want to find out what life's all about? Do you really want to understand what freedom is? Do you really want to find joy? Then it's not going to be here. Your father, man, he just, wants to keep you, he just wants to keep you locked up. He wants to keep you locked up in all these rules and regulations. And he's just trying to suck the joy out of your life. So you better go find it somewhere else. Last time I checked, if you read Genesis, there's a little story of some people in a garden. And guess what? They were dissatisfied with what the father had to offer them. So they thought they had to take things into their own hands and go figure it out themselves. And you know what they're doing? They're saying, hey, you know, God, I know better than you. And you're not really taking care of my needs. And so you're not really looking out for my joy. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find my joy in my own way because I can't trust you to do that for me. You see, uh, the father uh, was wanting his, the best for his son, uh, but his son decided to go somewhere else. You see, um, that's Siri. I said C. I didn't say Siri. Sorry, y'all. Uh, turn my Siri off here. Uh, so, so what does he do? Okay, so he's not understanding the father's heart, right? He's not understanding the father's heart and is leading them to do this. And so as a result, he asks for his inheritance. And in the Jewish culture, if you're asking for, so you guys need to understand like how insulting this was that he was asking for his inheritance. Uh, he wasn't just saying, hey, I want your money and give me what I'm owed. He's, he's in essence, he's saying, I don't care about having a relationship with you going forward. I'm not looking for your fatherly advice later in life. I'm not looking for a relationship with my mother or my brother. The only thing, I'm not even appreciating all the hard work that went into you stewarding this property to even give me an inheritance in the first place. The only thing that you have to offer me is your money. So give me my money and I'm out of here. He's spitting in his father's face and he's spitting in his family's face and saying, you don't have anything for me, so I'm going to take what is due me, and I'm going to go, 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 go spend it somewhere else. I'm going to go spend my time somewhere else. I'm going to be in a relationship with somebody else. And if I were the father, I probably wouldn't have given him that money. I'd be like, nope, sorry, dude. Go, you can go, go have fun on your own and see, uh, see how that works out for you. But no, the father is gracious, and he's patient, and he knows that uh, as a good father— you know, he doesn't force us to love him, but in his love, he allows us to do, and he gives, do what we want, unfortunately, sometimes, uh, and he gives us that freedom because he loves us. And so he spends it all on wild living. He's, he's seeking a sense of worth, right? He's seeking, a, he's wanting people to think he's popular or he's cool. He's wanting women to think he's attractive. Uh, he's wanting to find acceptance. He's wanting people to think that he's got a lot of money, that he's successful and that he's powerful, right? And all these things that are just stewing inside of him, he's like, now is my time to prove that I am valuable and I'm worthwhile, and so he begins to look for these things in other places. And you see, these are good desires, right? They're good desires to want to be accepted, to have a measure of self-worth, to know that you're worthy of being loved. But the problem was he was going about pursuing those desires in the wrong way. And he had an expectation of his father that went unmet because it wasn't being fulfilled in the timing 
that he expected. James talked about waiting on the Lord last week, right? So waiting on the Lord is, is the process between the expectations that we have for God and allowing him to lead us through the process until he fulfills his promises to us. But so many times we want to shortcut the process. We know the promise, but we want to shortcut the promise to get to it. And, we, and, and in so doing, we make compromises along the way. So where does he end up? Well, he ends up broke. He ends up alone. He ends up hungry and he's broken. Now you may not be broke and you may not be alone and you may not uh, be, be looking for food, but I think we're all aware that there's a younger brother inside of all of us if we're really honest with ourselves. Our anger, our resentment, our jealousy, our desire for revenge, our lust, our greed, our competition, our addictions are really just a sign that we've left home rooted in a lie that we can find our satisfaction outside of the Father's house. You see, living in sin is a lonely place. And whether anyone can see it or not, our sin isolates us from God and from those we love the most. And the more sin you walk in, the further and further you'll end up from your father's house and those you love. You see, it's hard to hear your father's voice when you're in a distant country. Father loves to speak to his children. He loves to be near and close to his children. But if we fail to find our satisfaction in God, it's not a question of if we'll seek to find our satisfaction in other places. It's a question of when. Or another way to put it is, where are you dissatisfied in your life? Because the dissatisfaction in your heart is a seedbed of opportunity for the enemy. And it's a seedbed of opportunity for compromise. So be very attentive to the places of dissatisfaction in your life. Do not ignore those places of dissatisfaction, because if you're not careful, the enemy will slip in, and sometimes in a very sneaky way, he'll sow some things into your heart that were never meant to be there in the first place. You see, when our desires go unmet because of wrong expectations, it leads to dissatisfaction, which will eventually turn into rebellion. You see, while the younger brother's dissatisfaction drove him away, the older brother's dissatisfaction kept him away. When I was, uh, I am an older brother, uh, and my younger brother, <laughs> I was the prototypical older brother, y'all. Uh, I was the boss, and I knew I was the boss, and I liked to act like I was the boss. Uh, and so whenever my brother would step onto the basketball court, I felt like I needed to take it upon myself to coach him up at every point throughout the game. So I'm literally like, you know, those crazy dads, you know, like I was like the crazy, like older brother that was like, you know, yelling at my brother while he's on the court on, get on his left, you know, cut him off, you know, man up, dude, come on, you know, like, and I'm just like, and he's going, you know, at halftime, I'm like going over, I'm talking, hey man, this is what you need to do, he's a terrible outside shooter, just play off of him, he can't even drive with his left hand, just shut off his right, he's got no chance, except this did not work, because my brother hated it, right, he hated it, he didn't want anything to do with me, I was an older brother uh, to the core, uh, and, and, and so I can sympathize with the older brother in this story, and then he was dissatisfied not only with the actions, the older brother's dissatisfied with the actions not only of his younger brother, but he's also dissatisfied with the actions of his father. And that'll mess you up if you're not careful. I want to reread here verses 28 through 30. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants, and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come. 
He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You've never even given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes has come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. You see, he was angry with the younger brother for taking advantage of the family. Uh, And another part of this is in the first two stories, we see somebody going and pursuing that which was lost. But in the third story here, for some reason, that doesn't happen. And the reason that doesn't happen is because the older brother in Jewish culture, was the, this would have been the older brother's responsibility. But the older brother forsakes this responsibility, and in his anger, he just lets him go, and he lets him wallow in his sin in a far-off land. He's angry that he's worked and done a good, and been a good son, and done everything he's supposed to do, and yet the son, younger son is taking advantage of his inheritance. So when he comes back and the father kills the fattened calf, guess what? That was the most precious piece of livestock that the father owned. And so now that's taking away from his share of the inheritance. You see, both of the, the younger brothers are after the father's things. He's greedy, He's greedy. He's angry. And now because the younger brother is being brought back into the family, not just as a servant, that means his share of the inheritance is less because now money is going towards taking care of his younger brother. He's angry uh, and he feels like he's justified and is angry. He's been an integrous man. He's worked his tail off and he's, he's, and he's putting uh, the resentment that he has towards his brother above embracing his brother in love. And so he's angry that his father is celebrating him, and he's angry that his father hasn't celebrate, uh, celebrated his goodness and good, his good deeds. So what does he do? Well, he withdraws. He doesn't go into the party. And he tells his dad, he won't even go into the party. His dad says, you got to come out here and talk to me because I'm angry. And then he says, this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother, but he dehumanizes him even in the way that he talks about his younger brother. You see, the older brother is just as much at fault here in this story. The problem was never with the father's love. It was with the dissatisfaction that emerged as a simple response to the missed expectations the older brother had in the way that the father should love him and fulfill his desires. You see, you can't join the party if you can't live it. You can't live it out in love when you're living in a place of dissatisfaction with God. So where are you dissatisfied with God? Because it will show itself in your relationship with other people. Second way we learn to join the party is by receiving the unconditional love of God. You see, the reason the brothers had dissatisfaction is in their hearts is because they had failed to receive God's love. I remember when I was a junior in high school, I had a powerful encounter with the love of God. And long story short, but I'm, I'm weeping. I'm on this gymnasium floor at this youth conference and, and, and this guy is praying over me. And as he's praying over me, he's saying, you are God's VIP. You're God's very important person. And it was like God was placing something inside of me uh, that I would carry for the rest of my life. And that was back in 2004. And I still carry this keychain from that moment, from that retreat with me as a reminder of the value and the love that God has placed on me. I don't know how I haven't lost my keys yet, but thank you, Lord. I haven't lost them. You see, when the younger brother came back 
And he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired servants. So he got up and he went back to his father. So we're, we've already established that the younger son was trying to be somebody he wasn't. He's trying to live out of a false identity. He thought he belonged to himself instead of his father, but he ends up in this place of utter despair and loneliness. And so all of his so-called friends, right? Where were all these friends that he was parting with now? They left him. They didn't care about him. They weren't there to bring him into his home when he needed them most. They weren't there to feed him or clothe him. They were just interested in his money and the, the joy that he brought them while they were living the wild party lifestyle. But they were nowhere to be seen when he was at his lowest point. He had no friends. He had no money. He had no job. He had no hope. And in that place of utter despair and realizing that he had lost everything, he realized uh, that he only had one thing left to his name. And that was that. It, that was exactly it. It was his name. And so the ironic thing is that in realizing that he had a last name and that he had a father, he realized that he had dignity to lose in the first place. He's realizing that he belongs to someone greater than himself. He realized who he belonged to, that he was a son and that he was a father. He wasn't a pig. He wasn't without hope. He wasn't completely broke because he was still a human of some value and of some measure of worth because he was made in the image of his father. The truth is that we're loved by God as a son and daughter. It's the greatest gift that we have. And it's the most valuable gift that we can have in showing love to other people by placing value on them as a son of daughter made in the image of God. It took losing everything that he had to realize that his father actually loved him and consider that maybe what he was searching for wasn't what he was really searching for. You see, those things bring, sin brings temporary joy, but only the father can give you lasting joy. And so he begins to turn, and in his brokenness, he begins to turn back to the idea that maybe his father will take him back as a servant. You see, brokenness isn't a bad thing. It's actually a tool that God uses us to bring us back to his heart. And so even then, he still doesn't get it, because he goes back to his father, and he's still asking for his father's stuff, right? I'll be a servant. Just put a roof over my head, give me the servant's quarters, give me the servant's food, and I'm good. And his father's like, no, 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 you're still asking for my stuff. This isn't about my stuff. This is about my heart. I want you to ask for a relationship with me, okay? You're still not getting it, okay? And so the father loved him too much to leave him where he was at. He was still operating under the idea that his father was mean and judgmental. That's why he left in the first place. He didn't understand the father's heart. Otherwise, he wouldn't have left if he knew the father's heart. And so the father looks past all these things, and he looks at him, and he speaks value into him. I want to read a quote from Henry Nouwen about the younger brother. Receiving forgiveness requires a total willingness to let God be God and to do all the healing, restoring and renewing. As long as I want to do a part, even a part of that myself, I will end up with partial solutions, such as becoming a hired servant. As a hired servant, I can still keep my distance. I can still revolt. I can still reject, strike, run away, or complain about my pay. But as the beloved son, 
I have to reclaim my full dignity. The Father wants you to reclaim your full dignity. He's not okay with you being a servant in his household. He wants you to be a son or a daughter. And so while the younger brother failed to receive the unconditional love of God, the older brother complained that he didn't have the unconditional love of God. The younger son was, was the only, wasn't the only one who saw the father's love as conditional here and needed a revelation. You see, the older son, as I mentioned earlier, thought because he had worked hard and been completely obedient, that he was justified in telling the father how he could use his stuff. You see this trend? It's all about your stuff, dad. I'm so sick of how you're using your stuff to bless this dude that messed everything up and was a rebellious child and spit in your face. Why are you using your stuff to bless him? You see this anger and resentment that is stewing inside of the older brother? He still doesn't get it. It's not about the father's stuff. It's about the father's heart. And so when the younger son, these things were there, but it was the younger son coming back and the father accepting the younger son back that brought those things to light. And he loses his marbles, right? He just goes AWOL. He loses it. And so the older brother, I'd like to submit to you that the older brother was just as lost as the younger son in this story. But his was much harder to see because it was hidden beneath the surface, covered up by the desire to be a good and virtuous son. And he saw that in his obedience and hard work and diligence, he thought he could, he could control the father into doing what he thought was right. You see, this older son was respected, praised, admired as a model son, but underneath the surface was a proud, unkind, selfish, resentful mess marked by self-righteousness and self-pity. Nasty. He thought thoughts like this, why don't people thank me? Why don't they invite me? Why don't they play with me? Why don't they honor me? Why don't they give attention to me? And why do they give attention instead to those that are reckless with their lives? See, when we view the love of God as conditional and we seek to earn his love through our hard work and our good deeds, we end up unable to receive his love that we so long for and desire. We end up unable to enter into his joy and we end up separated from those who offend our sense of fairness. I understand this because I'm an older brother. And I also operate on the older brother thinking as in, just in terms of my personality. And this points to the fact that joy and resentment just can't occupy the same space. It's just the truth. Joy and resentment can't occupy the same space. I love what Henry Nouwen says about the older brother. Returning home from a lustful escapade seems so much easier than returning home from a cold anger that has rooted itself in the deepest corners of my being. My resentment is not something that can be easily distinguished and dealt with rationally. It's far more pernicious, something that has attached itself to the underside of my virtue. Just when I think I'm capable of overcoming my temptations, I feel, un I feel envy towards those who have given in to theirs. It seems that wherever my virtuous self is, there also is the resentful complainer. Here I am faced with my own true poverty. I am totally unable to root out my resentments. They are so deeply anchored in the soil of my inner self that pulling them out seems like self-destruction. How do you weed out the resentments without also uprating the virtues? You see, the father uh, doesn't even address the son's complaints, and he doesn't even speak or defend himself. 
He doesn't even comment on the older son's behavior. He moves past all those evaluations and he speaks right into his desired relationship with his older son. You see, the father comes out not only to the younger son, the father comes out to the older son as well. The problem wasn't with the father's love. The problem was with the younger and older brother's perception of God that was hindering their desire, willingness, and ability to receive the love of the father. You can't join the party if you're not willing to receive the love of God. Third way we join the party is by, and live it out in love is by celebrating new life. You see, in each of these stories, Jesus finishes with a statement very similar to this. I tell you in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of God over one sinner who repents. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You see, Jesus is really, really, really into new life. He's really, really, really into bringing people from death to life. And he loves to celebrate it. And not only does he love to celebrate it, but the angels in heaven love to celebrate it. You see, heaven and earth are far more connected than we ever realize. When you look at the trajectory of the New Testament and you read Revelation 19.15, you'll find a story about a big party entitled the wedding feast of the Lamb. And so as we learn to party on earth, we are giving the world a picture of that one day of that ultimate party when heaven and earth will come together. And so when we party on earth and we see the party in heaven, we begin to give people a picture of what heaven is going to be like one day. You see, there's more to this than just not being the younger brother or not being the older brother. You see, celebrating others brings us into community and relationships with one another because heaven is a place of relationships. It's a place where we're going to be in perfect relationship with God and with those that we love the most. And so we have to be a people marked by love, marked by joy, and marked by life. I want to show you a video here of my son just having a little joy. So check it out here. Isn't he cute? I just had to slip that in. No, there's no greater joy than I have to see my son walking in joy. There's no greater joy that I have than see my son walking in joy. 1 John 3, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You see, beloved, that the, the love of God is unconditional. Nothing can ever change. You can't earn or lose any of his love. But his joy, his joy is conditioned upon you walking in the truth. You see, nothing breaks the father's heart more than his sons being outside of the party. The love of God is unconditional. The joy of God is conditional. And it's conditioned upon our response to the father because he loves us. 
Don't let your pride, arrogance, brokenness, envy, fear of missing out, insecurity, or shame keep you from joining the party and entering into the Father's joy. The problem was never with the Father's love. The problem was that his sons failed to walk in this truth. So whose sin was worse? Whose sin was worse? Both left their father. And the story actually ends as a cliffhanger with the older brother actually outside the party. Both wanted the father's things. They just went about it two different ways. One by being bad, the other by being good. One by the way of self-discovery, the other by the way of moral conformity. The younger brother was trying to show that he was in control by breaking all the rules. The older brother was trying to show that he was in control by following all the rules. Both groups uh, say this is the way to live and this is what will make you happy. But in the end, it's really just two sides of the same coin. Two ways to be your own savior. Showing us that you can escape God as much through sin as you can through morality, legalism, and religion. You see, both the younger brother and the older brother were dead. Both needed to be brought from death to life. So allow me to ask you, who's the main character in this story? Is it the younger brother? Is it the older brother? Although we can and we certainly should identify with both of them, I'd like to tell you, Jesus didn't tell this story to tell you to be a good person. No, he told this story to teach us about the one who is good, to redeem and save us. And the sign that this revelation has gone from our heads to the heart is that we're free to receive the Father's love and we're free to celebrate others. That's the sign that we've really got this revelation that the Father's heart is for us and that he loves us and he wants to bring us into the party. This is not the story of the prodigal son. It's not the story of even the prodigal sons. It's the story of a prodigal God who's pursuing us this morning. The father responded tenderly and came out to both of his sons. The father's calling you to embody the love of the father to younger sons and to older sons. The father is calling you to love like he loves radically and unconditionally. And he wants you to receive his joy. So don't settle for a pig party. Don't settle for a pig pen. Hit the dance floor and join the real party that Jesus has for you. Let's stand up, all right? So as, as the band comes up, as the ministry team comes up, I just want to say, hey, I've spent far too many years longing to be the younger brother and living like the older brother. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of trying to earn the Father's love. And I'm, trying, I'm tired of living in this place of tension. If the ministry team could come up, life group leaders, uh, I'm tired of living in that place. And so this morning, as we finish up the service, I just want to ask you, where do you need to receive the Father's love? Where are you longing for the Father's love? Where are you in a place where you're far from the Father's house and you just want to hear his voice again? You just want him to place value and identity on you as a son. You don't even think you're worthy to be called his son anymore. I just want to tell you this morning, the Father's arms are wide open. And he's running to you and there's compassion in his eyes. And just like there's compassion and love in his eyes for the younger son who was far away, there's love and compassion in his eyes for the older brother. So if you're in this room and you're tired of just living the judgmental life, living un, un, discontent with everyone around you, set off by the smallest things, the father wants to bring you into the party. You don't have to be on the outside anymore. 
So Lord, we ask that you would just reveal your heart to us today. We want to know your love and we want to embrace your love. Would you show us what you're really like? In Jesus' name, amen. The minister team is up here. They'd love to pray for you. And for the rest of us, let's just worship and thank the Lord for his Father's love.